I'm going to give you 30 seconds and name the hunters. Starting now. Oh no, I can't. I hate this. Six weeks ago, Nick and Paul went out for a cigarette break and never came back in Bristol. Jess and Emma had a code Foxtrot Oscar in Dumfries. Matt sauntered off in Saunton Sands and Loren went back to her home planet. Welcome back to the final episode of Your Time and the Run, the Hunters podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as always is the guy who hates Birmingham almost as much as Harry Savage does, Anthony Williams. I'm shook. I'm shook. And the lady who is doing this podcast for everyone who helps her stay away from her family, Michelle pierce Ha ha. It's the finale. I've got to do one final family joke for this episode. (sighs) Yes. And then, let's be honest, if we come back to season five, which, given the social media reaction, I'm not sure we deserve to come back for season five. We might have to continue the uh, the family jokes. I think there'll only be us watching season five. I mean, it's so weird, really, because everyone seems to just love this episode. It was universally praised, wasn't it? It was, uh, this is great, (laughs) finally. We see that the reality is it's really easy to catch fugitives. We've been saying this all along. Why, 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 why have we had these fake seasons where they just let them win and now finally justice has been served? That was certainly the reaction I saw. Yeah, because usually um, when I do the finale intros and do the, the big long intro at the start, I say, and now we have new winners. Are you pleased? And the answer is... We don't have any winners to talk about. The winners are the 29 in HQ this time. Well, Mm. I think the winner is Blacks, really. I'm going to phrase it like that deliberately, because there's a a few arguments that have been going around on social media, and I'm not sure how much of it Michelle's seen, because she only watched the episode less than 24 hours ago, but I was live-tweeting this episode from the Reality TV Warriors account, as I do occasionally. I mean, I... Strongly regretted my choice when I got to the last bit, and as I did actually say, my hands were shaking for about half an hour after the episode. It's never happened when I've been watching a TV show. I had my notes typed up in one window, I had the actual show in another window, and then I had the RTV Warriors Twitter. My hands were shaking, I couldn't type. It got worse when Blex made his announcement, which we'll get to. I was shocked beyond belief. This is the first episode of any TV programme where... I have been shocked since the Vidum premiere last year. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we should be praising that. I mean, hats off to everyone involved in the programme for pulling the wool over my eyes, because this doesn't happen very often, and this is no. a very odd episode for me to talk about, because I didn't see this coming. I certainly didn't. And I don't think anyone did. No, no one did. Anyway. Previously, ten fugitives went on the run, six of them were caught near home, near friends and near complete strangers, but four remain on the run. And last week, Ish and Nate came up with a plan to lure the hunters to Nottingham by going live on Instagram, but it backfired when they didn't fall for it and the boys ended up splitting up. Frank and Harry have a bond and it became much closer on the run. And if any of them can evade the hunters for one more day and reach the extraction points, they will win a share of £100,000. 
And last week's episode ended with the hunters getting their exact current location as they accessed the extraction information. Yeah, which is um, the first point of contention, isn't it? Complete bullshit. Yeah. This is the one bit of the episode and of the series where I will say, this is complete bullshit. I've gone on record as hating this twist beyond belief. I think it's completely pointless and against what the show is. And more importantly, it opens the door to the morons we've been seeing on social media this week going, this show is so fake. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I don't I don't even think it's necessary. That's the annoying thing. Yeah, it's not even a case of fairness because fair can mean whatever you want it to mean, deserving can mean whatever you want it to mean. That point will come back up soon. But it's just unnecessary. I know it means that they'll get a close finale and I understand why they do it. But I think that they could frame it in a different way to make it less egregious to everyone who sees that twist and goes, oh, for God's sake, why? Not this again. Yeah, yeah I'm in two minds. I, I, I don't like it, but I can understand why they do it. And, and you know, I, they can get away. I mean, it's been done before. They can get away. Um, it just narrows down the area that the hunters are, are looking in. And... I think it's it's good for the end. I mean, would the hunters get anywhere near them if they didn't have that? You know, would there be any chance for the hunters? And I know I'd love the hunters to lose, but would it would it even provide much of a, a finale? I think it also is a bit of a different situation this year in the fact that two of the four were very close to where the extraction point was, which never happens. It's usually that they have to try and travel 100 miles or whatever to get away. Whereas this time, they really didn't. They didn't need to hitch a lift, Ish and Nate at least, didn't need to hitch a lift that far. And I think that situation being orchestrated for however it was meant that Ish could then feel relaxed enough to still keep cycling on the canal path which is a bone of contention for HQ, and they've been desperate to catch people on canal paths. So it was a very dangerous move doing that anyway, but also it then means that they can trap you, and all you need is that domino to fall, and then this sort of thing happens, because this episode is basically just a case study in how HQ can win, because it's never happened before. It's never happened worldwide, to my knowledge. They've come very, very close in the Dutch one, which is an amazing final scene if anyone's actually not seen it, but they've never actually got a clean sweep anywhere in the world. So this is history in the making. And I think it all stems from the fact that they got the information of where Ish was, they worked out that he was he had a bike nearby, so he was probably using the canal path, they narrowed it down to where he was, they got a bit lucky to find him with the pop tyre, and then, you know, he'd written down the information. Mm. Yeah... Yeah. I love how you guys are just getting in training for my inevitable rant coming fairly soon. Yeah, I think we're just giving you space to, to warm up, really, at this stage. Just prepare. <laughs> Usually I have three pages of notes. I have five this time, one of which is just a rant that I'm going to go on fairly soon. And you haven't even started the show yet. Nope. So, it's 28 hours until the extraction, and HQ have just got the locations from the extraction info calls, one of which was made at 9.07am. I think that was issues. And Plex tries his time-honoured tactic of just focusing all the resources on one person, which was Ish, as they are closest to him, because he was in the village of Penkridge. And we get a little come on from Steve. Yeah. Yes, he's not allowed to do that. 
Danny's been Danny's training them all line? this season. No, it's Danny's line. He needs to be hit across the head. Danny, go get Steve. It's your line. No one else's. Which Steve was it, by the way, Michelle? Because I'm not sure you know the difference. I don't. I well, it was it was the Steve. I like the other Steve. Not that I, there's anything wrong with the first Steve, but I like the other Steve. The best bit about this episode for anyone who's been looking at the social media is we've played a game. These guys don't actually know how each other have done, but I've brought back one of my favourite games we've ever played called His 30 Seconds Name the Hunters. And both of you had wonderful reactions. Michelle's especially was just, oh, I hate this game. Because <laughs> I don't remember names. I hate it too. <laughs> All the while, I'd already started the timer. <laughs> and I'm like, Michelle, yes. you actually have to start answering soon. <laughs> Anthony's won anyway. We'll get to that soon because somebody's going to be doing a Blex impression to end the episode and her name rhymes with Michelle. If I lose, it's a Danny impression, not a Blex impression. Okay, we'll do do Danny's Danny's nursery crimes if you lose. Sorry, when you lose. (laughs) Exactly. I love how Michelle's already resigned to defeat, even though she doesn't know how she did because she recorded it a week ago with me. Ant kind of knows a little bit about how you did, but you both actually did better than I thought you had done when I recorded with you. Really? I, oh. I, will, I will say that. It's it's closer than it appeared. No way. I expect Anthony to get heaps more than me. So Ish is on a bike, and he doesn't think that HQ will chase him down a canal path, and Sherlock has finally wised up to that tactic after the Cummings Man tactic, and Dan and Joe... And, you know, every winner ever has basically just used the canal paths because there's no CCTV. Yep. And Ish says that he's lost too much body weight to go home empty-handed. And Colin wants to try and get ahead of him on the canal path to box him in and use him as bait, basically. And they also spot, in a bone of contention for all the morons on social media, that Ish has a notebook with him. Has he written anything down? Yeah, so, so this is one of those situations where they have to say it now otherwise what comes later doesn't make sense so for those conspiracy theorists this is where it sounds out of context but if they didn't say it people would be like what notebook where did that notebook come from he never had a notebook so just get over it let's be clear in every single one of those scenes where people are ringing or logging on to um, get the information for the extraction, you see that they have a notebook because they start writing down the information because, A, they don't know how much information they're going to get. They don't know whether it's just going to be the date and the time and a rough city and there's instructions on where you're going to find the rest of it. They don't know whether they're going to get a huge amount of detail like postcodes or anything or directions. So they have to start writing it down. Yeah, but if you but if you only get one little thing which was such a small thing that they did get, you just scribble it back out again. True, but then as soon as they get that notebook, they will then use their stuff as they have done before. For example, Hunted US with Emily and David's calendar. They'll scribble it over with a pencil and they'll find the information regardless. Yeah, but if you've seen the other episodes of Hunted, I would be scribbling on any pages afterwards as well. Yeah, and also any pages that referred to the past would be in the canal. Yeah, I would have put the notebook in the canal personally. As long as there wasn't CCTV for them to go dredging it, because they're, as, they're as not we found, dredging the canal. Yeah. Let's get real. <laughs> as we found out la- last year, Paul and Michelle will do anything to find a piece of paper. <laughs> Still one of my favourite banners ever. Yeah, they will stick oh, around so that frame. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. Everyone has a notebook, and they don't know how much information they're going to get, so they start writing in at 1pm Birmingham, and then when they get no more information, they just book it out of there. 
because they know what the final sentence is going to be, it's going to be, in accessing this information, your current location has been given to the hunters. That's it. Yep. And Blex de- deploys the helicopter to the Stafford area, and Jill gets to ride, and boy, does she look happy about riding out of the high <laughs> side of a helicopter. She doesn't, she? <laughs> I've thought it in the intro every week, and it makes me laugh so much that she just looks miserable to be there. Yeah, not not a natural habitat, I don't think. <laughs> it's fun, though. It's fun. Why wouldn't you want to? It do? is. I, I love helicopters, but she doesn't seem that comfortable. She just looked really uncomfortable. It was delightful. <laughs> but what I did really like, it was the bit that Sherlock did about how you can use a helicopter to find people, but you can also use it to drive them underground. And then as soon as a helicopter, helicopter's gone, they're going to come out. I thought that was quite clever. I like that. That was really clever. Mm. They're up in their game every single time. Yep. As Nate says later in the episode, these guys aren't messing around anymore. They really wanted that capture of everyone. And after we mentioned their conspicuous absence a few weeks ago, Michelle and May are on the ground as well, chasing him. And Ish hears the chopper overhead, and he's not filled with confidence. And then Jill drops the chopper down to investigate the wooded area where Ish is hiding, and there are three hunter teams and a helicopter surrounding the canals. And Sherlock says that he thinks Ish will move once a helicopter goes, and what do you know, he's right. He decides to move because he'd rather be safe than sorry. Sadly for him, there is a passerby who reveals to Michelle that Ish ducks into the bushes... And he gets a flat tyre. Yeah, in a, in a series of unfortunate events for poor old Ish. The only way it could be more unfortunate for him is A, if he was an orphan, and B, if Count Olaf was chasing him as well. Yeah, it, it, you, there's a definite air of inev- inevitability about this capture, isn't there? You can kind of see it coming. Yeah, when I described them as being like uh, Io and Madu last week, I didn't think that it would be that pertinent. Mm. I didn't think Ish would get caught that soon. No. But sadly for him, Paul stumbles upon him under a bridge, and his time in the run is over. And as I said on Twitter at the time, that was sudden. Yeah. (laughs) That was very lucky. Yeah, it it was a weird edit, because it cut from Paul going, oh, there's two two canals that this bridge crosses, and then just looking under the bridge and going, oh my god, I found him, what the hell? Ish, stay there, your time in the run's over. Because it all happened over the space of about 20 seconds of screen time, and I'm sure it didn't in real life, I'm sure there was... A certain degree of like five or ten minutes in between it and Paul sneaking over just in case that she's under. But yeah, it did, it it did seem quite abrupt, and especially at the end, he's like, "I'm just gonna have a look around this corner." Oh, he's there. He's right around the corner. Go on. I think the issue the editors had this episode is there is a lot of material to cover for a 28-hour period. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's true. And what, and what do they do? Do they stay awake the entire like last 48 hours? Like how? How do they do this? They they can't move at night time, can they? No, there's certain active all. hunting hours. It's usually eight to late, I want to say. Would it be hard if you had to get across England for the extraction point and you really had to move at night time? It'd be hard, wouldn't it? It is amended depending on the day. So, for example, the final day tends to be ridiculously early. We've seen the hunters in HQ at like 5, 6 a.m. Yeah. Because it obviously ends a lot earlier on that day. The start is a lot earlier, potentially. And we've seen late ones, haven't we, when, when Lolly got caught. That was a late night one. And Blex practically screams at Paul, Paul, get that notebook! Yeah. Again, keep mentioning the notebook, because it's going to come back to pay us off. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like someone tweeted at the time, hmm, Ish's notebook's getting mentioned a lot. 
Yeah. Again, it, it, yeah. We can, we're gonna we're just gonna keep circling around to conspiracies, aren't we? Of course, they mentioned the notebook. Something happens later in the episode about the notebook. That's how it works. Here's the problem that I have with the people who are complaining on social media. I'm not going to go into the rant yet, but here's the problem that I have with the people who complain about this sort of stuff on social media. Obviously, you're not going to see the hours of tedium that go into finding out and in, and researching all the false leads and the dead ends. And especially in an episode that covers only 28 hours of a 25-day period, they've got to be quick with it, for want of a better term. They have to narrow it down really quickly and explain why everyone's gonna lose. Because that's something that they've not actually had to do yet, is explain not just why one person loses or why two people get caught, but why every single person left in 28 hours before the end ends up falling. And it all boils down to this notebook. Yeah. Mm. And Ish gets taken back to HQ for interrogation, and Nate is in Solihull, and Frank and Harry are in Reading. And the extraction point is, as we already know, the roof of the Bullring Shopping Centre, to be precise, the Edgebaston Road, Carl Park, Debenhams. Mm-hmm. Must be really annoying for Frank and Harry. They were in the Midlands like a few days ago. Now they're in Reading. I mean, we'll get we'll get to the decision of making it Birmingham, but I have some thoughts. I know Michelle definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> the entire universe has thoughts on that. Yes, yes. And Sherlock doesn't think that Frank and Harry will split up, as they are unbreakable. They are live, damn it, it's a miracle. And here's a, a rather awkward note that I actually didn't delete from my notes, and I probably should have, in that we get another emotional savage winner scene. I know, they're still piling on the winner edit right up until this point. It's not fair. The really awkward thing is that, unlike normal, I wasn't handwriting these notes. I was typing them up as I was going along, knowing that I was going to be a bit busy today, especially, because we're recording this on Saturday. And knowing I was going to be a bit busy, I was typing these notes. So these are completely and utterly unedited and just what I was doing while I was tweeting, basically. And some of these are interesting. Very interesting. That one especially. Mm. It was a really sad moment, wasn't it, when they talked about their mum dying and, you know, on the back of their dad dying. And it, it really felt like, oh, well, this is it. You know, they're going to make it. It was um, very interesting that this late in the game, they're still throwing us off the scent. Bravo. I mean, the one thing that may have tipped us off to the fact that nobody was going to win was the fact that we've still not seen any mention of Frank and Harry's farm. No. Because because that was their major reason for going on the run. I don't know whether you know this, Michelle, but... No, farm. They did an interview last week, I think it was, where they said that their main reason for going on the run, other than sort of trying to prove themselves after their parents died, was the fact that Frank inherited their dad's farm and it's losing money quite rapidly, so they wanted the money to basically save the farm. Oh, I can't, honestly. Wait till we get to the end. I can't. And Harry says that he doesn't like rough sleeping, and he winces at basically everything. (laughs) Oh, they were so cute. They're so cute in the hammock. (laughs) Yeah, they were. They were. And they're staying with Ian, who's driving them to the outskirts of Birmingham, where they will sleep rough for their final night. And they do not get a Brothers of Swing-style B&B for the final nights. No, they get to share a hammock in Birmingham. <laughs> and before they've even got there, Harry says the iconic quote, I fucking hate Birmingham! <laughs> yeah, bless him. I'm not surprised. Uh, did you see, uh, I know we, we are going to keep coming back to people ranting on social media, 
this was my favourite conspiracy of the week, which was the shots of the outskirts of Birmingham looked suspiciously like Portsmouth to me. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. They took them away from Birmingham to do the filming in Portsmouth and then brought them all the way back again because Birmingham's outskirts don't look enough like Birmingham, so they had to take them to Portsmouth. Oh, for God's sake. They don't look brummy enough. No, they're just not brummy enough. Take them to Portsmouth. That's where the real brummies are. Jesus. Why? Why? Give me a bit of English background, please. Well, Birmingham, right. Birmingham's in the middle of the country. Portsmouth's on the Mm. south coast. They're like four hours apart. Why, why why would you do that? And and how would you even know? There weren't... There, suburbs would look like suburbs. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> See, the problem is that I was on an early on, um, on Friday, and I actually had to go to bed at a reasonable time. Hunted finished at 10. I probably should have been in bed within about half an hour of that. But I could not turn off social media. Oh my god. <laughs> it was the funniest thing to see people let's be honest i've already sworn once i'm gonna do it again now oh no you can't you'll be going all up all the time then i genuinely was trying to be on my best behavior not swearing too much but there's two f words in quotes so i'm just gonna say this people were losing their shit yep it was (laughs) such (laughs) fun to watch basically the world burn when frank got caught because everyone including me was going what how? Why? Where? When? What? How? That's not supposed to happen. That's not how this show works. No, it's not. And if ever there was time for an Amazing Race-style clock in the corner, that would have been good, guys. That would have been really nice to say, it's not one o'clock yet. Yeah, just to explain to the dolts on Facebook, because for this podcast, I was looking through all of the Facebook group, because the Channel 4 Hunted group is so much fun on Facebook, just watching how many posts of people going, I am never watching this show again. That was awful. You need to report this to Ofcom. (laughs) I I am so not watching this show again that I have joined a group dedicated to people who watch the show to explain why I shan't be watching the show anymore. And I'm going to write to to Ofcom to say, I'm not watching this. Why don't you just stop watching? That, That would be the simple thing, guys. Just don't watch the show that's it also do you know what offcom's official response will be um, it will be three words get a life yes it's not like it's a live episode is it it was filmed months ago if there was any issues it's already gone through offcom and lawyers yeah god's sake ah, I, th- I was going to be the voice of reason wasn't i tonight sorry I feel I feel like I've let everybody down. <laughs> I did mean to preface this episode by saying I'm quite amped up about the social media reaction. Michelle's quite amped up about, you know, the ending. And I'm just going to be the voice of reason tonight. <laughs> I don't that, see how. I don't going, see yeah. how. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone involved in this episode is ever going to be the voice of reason. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and... As we said, Frank and Harry come up with a very odd sleeping situation after Frank says that it'll cost Harry another grand of his winnings if he wants to sit in the hammock. I'd love to know how many he's already lost. <laughs> that could have been a fun recurring joke, and nobody nobody even thought that that would be entertaining to to include. <laughs> it could have been that could have been another caption, couldn't it? Like like the part in Vidum could have been like a, just taking minus out of what <laughs> what Harry's got in his pot. 
And with 20 hours left till the extraction, HQ have scans of Ish's notebook everywhere on the wall to try and identify where the extraction point is going to be. And without going any further, I'm going to assume that HQ know the date and the time that extraction is going to be. Because that's a reasonable guess. They know it's going to be on the Sunday. And I'm going to guess that they know it's going to be 1pm because that's the fair thing to do. And I'm going to come back to that word, fair. Yeah, I would go along with that, um, which also explains the 1pm berm line as well. Yeah. If anyone is wondering how they managed to identify 1pm berm from his notebook, all they had to do was look out for 1pm or Sunday or the date. Because they will have known that, because it is fair to tell them at what point their game ends. Well, yeah, and, and they know from the start it's 25 days, so they know exactly which day it is. So they, of course they tell them what time they're wrapping up. They've got, got a wrap party to get to afterwards, right? Yeah, this is going to be the important thing for these people, though. It's trying to get it through their abnormally thick skulls that this show is not rigged. This show is not rigged. This show cannot be rigged. <laughs> tell that to the... Uh thousands on social media. Oh, I will be fairly soon, Michelle. And Steve Hersey looks at the notebook and says that locations in the notebook seem to be historic, and Nate is still worried about Ish, and he's regretting splitting up with him. So here's the question. Do you think that they would have been stronger together? Yeah, uh, I, think, yeah I think they might. bouncing ideas off each other. It's always helpful. I think the main advantage for them of sticking together would have been the fact that there would have only been two pings rather than three. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I, I think they they worked better as a team as well. Like Michelle said, they they could bounce ideas off each other, and uh, I think psychologically they probably would have been stronger as well. The other view of that though is if you split up, you're splitting the resource that's after you as well, aren't you? So there's there's an advantage to it if you're if you're the right people to do it. But I, yeah, I think they'd have been better together. The other major advantage is the fact that HQ wouldn't have been able to pull the shit that they're about to pull. That's true. And Nate says he still hasn't got a safe place to sleep, and he calls Dave, a local builder, who he met the day before, to ask for help. And Dave takes him to his next-door neighbours, who will take him to the extraction point to the following day. And with 18 hours left, Ish arrives to be interrogated by Julie. So it took him a while to, you know, get from Penkridge to uh, to the mysterious HQ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, we, which we believe is somewhere in London, because they always show us shots of London. <laughs> Well, it's got to be somewhere near a tube line, because otherwise Sherlock can't run out of HQ and chase people down in a white t-shirt and jeans. That's true. Oh, he hasn't done that for ages. Oh, no. It's two years now. He hasn't done it since Io and Nick humiliated him. And Sherlock likes the idea of telling Ish that Nate has been caught, and they fake capturing Nate from next door to spook Ish into revealing a bit too much information about the extraction point. Yeah, and at this stage, um, I'm calling... Complete bullshit. You know, they're stealing our ideas. You can't just take clips and put them together out of context to make it make it work like that. Who would do that? Who would take clips and pull them together like that? Ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I'll say to that? Oh, face cream. <laughs> oh, that's a good callback. <laughs> Little one for the Amazing Race fans there. And Flex goes in to meet Ish himself, and Ish refuses to tell him anything. Because Ish has morals. Ish has morals. However, what does Ish not have? Four thousand pounds because in hindsight you might as well have given it up mate so Blex puts a rather large amount of money on the table to be precise the largest money that they have ever offered anyone in hunted history usually the the snitch money is 500 pounds this time Blex got out every single bit of snitch money that he had in four thousand pounds 
that's more than two of my team on the chase actually earned in their cash bill. <laughs> it's a mere 40% of what you earn, Michael. It is. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> well, I'm doing air quotes around earned. <laughs> Not brought back. Shut up, I need to mention the chase for something I'm going to mention later. And they go to the ad break with Ish weighing up his options. So here's the question. Is four grand enough to go on the run for 24 days? Yeah, because your option, your other option is nothing at all. Zip, nada, nothing. And at this stage, he thinks Nate's been caught. And he hasn't been, but he believes he has been. So he's basically turning down four grand so that Frank and Harry can have some money, which is very nice. It is nice, and I think I would do the same thing because, yeah. uh, you know, you, you're in a game and you want – you know there's others in the game, and why would you want to take the chance away from them? It's a, it's a lovely lot of money, though, but I mm. don't think I'd take it. I think I would. <laughs> the sneaky element of this is the fact that Ish said that he didn't believe it at all. I didn't, he didn't fall for the Nate ruse? No. Okay. He, he said he saw yeah. through it straight away. That's fair enough, then. then he's done the right it would thing. be very coincidental for it to happen at that exact same moment that he was there in HQ. And Sherlock is whispering again, so Ish must be nearby. Sherlock loves whispering this year. Mm. That seems to be his, his new thing. Whispering and swearing. And Ish has morals and rejects the rather large sum of money. So Sherlock goes back to look at the notebook. And Black spots the most important piece of information he has ever spotted, on Lunted at least, in 1pm Burm. Yep. And, and this is the the point where everyone's going, but why would you write down 1pm burn? Because you'd easily be able to remember that. Well, because you don't know what other information you're going to be given. So you start off mm. by writing what you've been given, don't you? That's how it works. You were expecting the extraction is 1pm in Birmingham. Make your way to this plant at this time and do this and do this and do this. So you're going to write everything down. And in reality, it's the extraction point is 1pm in Birmingham City Centre. Bye. If you were watching closely in the clip where they're all on the phones, Ish does have his notebook, and he is yep. writing it down as he's got the yep. phone on his ear. And so does Harry. Mm. But how do they find out the rest of it? I think the message was longer than we saw, because yeah. they didn't need to tell us it was the Edgbaston Road car park, because they then did that by voiceover anyway. That makes no difference. All we need to know as viewers is that they have to be in Birmingham for 1pm the next day. Anything else is superfluous to us. But unless they actually know the city and know of Edgbaston Car Park, why wouldn't they write that car park name down? That yeah, that is a bit strange, isn't it? If they were given that, that that would be the bit you would write down definitely. Mm. Uh, yeah, that yeah, I'll grant that is a bit odd. Unless there is an unaired bit of footage that says, "Make your way to the city centre of Birmingham, where you'll receive your next clue." <laughs> <laughs> bit amazing race there. <laughs> Which is definitely a potential. Yeah, I think it could be that they've they've just taken that bit out because, again, it doesn't really affect the story. Once they're in Birmingham City Centre, somehow or other, they know where they've got to get to. No, absolutely no one cares who's watching. No. No. That's the thing you've got to remember. Nobody cares. All we need to know is that they need to be there at that time. Yeah. And now, the bit where I rant about Blex guessing that it's going to be a helicopter... Mm-hmm. So, from previous series, we know it's land, air, sea. They're the three options. It's not going to be sea because the only 
water option yeah. is a canal boat, and frankly, that is not the big <laughs> cinematic ending that we're going to get this series. That would <laughs> because, be funny, though. <laughs> because can you imagine them try? Can you imagine composer Nick Harvey trying to score over Frank and Harry, popping champagne and throwing cash in the air in a fucking canal boat? As it goes at four miles an hour from Birmingham to the coast. <laughs> it's not going to be road, because Spaghetti Junction exists. Yeah, you can't possibly make a quick exit out of Birmingham. <laughs> and let's be honest, we're not going to see them in a stretched limo doing a heist, basically. And to be fair, the heist probably excluded a road option as well. The fact that the ending of the heist took place in, in Whitby and they had to get to a marked jeep and that took them away by road probably excludes roads this year. It's not going to be the airport, because they're not going to close down an airport for this show. They don't have that much money. Uh, And And it said city centre. Yeah, the Birmingham airport's way outside of the city centre. It's closer to Soli Hall. Number four, it's not going to be a train, because they're not going to close down Birmingham railway station. As I said last week, the only train option ever is going to be something like the East Lanks Railway, where legitimately it's not open on a Sunday, so they can just take over it and have some sort of cinematic exit. Because it would be a cinematic exit to have uh, to have them being pulled away by a steam train, for example. It would, but have I just imagined this, or in earlier seasons, did they not say that the extraction point was to get them to transport that would take them out of the country? They used to say that. I don't think they say it anymore. I don't think they say it, but that doesn't mean that that rule has changed. So I I think it, we are still working on the premise that the form of transport that, that they take takes them out of the country, because that kind of wraps up the whole, you can't leave mainland Britain during the hunt, and then yeah. you leave it to finish the game. That's how it works. So I, I'm quite comfortable with that's still the rule. Therefore, it has to be a form of transport that they can leave the country in. Yeah, so it, it only could be a helicopter. And once you work out that it's Birmingham and you work out it's going to be a helicopter, there's only about 20 places it could be. Because A, they're going to need filming permission, so you can just look at the filming permits, let's be honest, if you want to cheat. Correct. But B... It's a Sunday in June. There's probably football going on. It's not going to be a football stadium, and they're certainly not going to hire out a big football stadium to allow them to run on the pitch and get a helicopter out of there, because they don't have the budget for that. Realistically, it's going to be the top of hotels or the top of a car park, which is exactly the tactic that HQ thought of. And I realise that I'm saying this after the the fact so I can make myself look amazing, but (laughs) even if you don't know that it's going to be a helicopter, logically, you can pretty much narrow it down to it's going to be a helicopter. Yeah, of course you can. It, I, I don't have any issue with they figured out it was a helicopter because City Centre Birmingham, what what the hell else is it going to be? Um, narrowing it down further, yeah, maybe, but it, actually it's a relatively small city centre, so yeah, you, you probably would get it down to a few places. It just felt a little bit wonky when apparently a parking attendant is the most reliable source of where you can land a helicopter. That would be my only criticism. Yeah, I, real, I realise that it seems sudden because they had to do that leap of faith to get Blex to say it looks like it's going to be a helicopter because they don't have the time in the episode left. They have a final section that is pretty much in real time and needs to be in real time. They're just building up to that. So with five hours to go, Harry is nervous and scared and they have just got to be careful, clever and quick. And Nate says he's doing this for everyone who helped them, his family and Ish. With three hours to go, Blex tries to narrow down the landing places, and Steve Hersey has narrowed it down to only 20 sites. 
and he sends every Ground Hunter team to the Birmingham area. And Colin points out that quite a few of them are in restricted airspace, so they will have to gain permission, narrowing that down even further. And Frank and Harry do an amazing race-style move when they leave their bags in the woods to look less suspicious when they're wandering around the centre of Birmingham. Yeah, nice Yes, move. so impressed. That was the point where I still thought they could win. Yeah. And to, and to be fair, I still thought they were going to win until I heard the words, Harry Savage, you, your time in the run is over, and I'm like, what? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arr. Yeah. I don't know if this is the exact time point where it happened, but there was one odd bit in HQ where Sherlock basically says, well, there's CCTV all over Birmingham, so let's just wait for the incoming pings. That's not how it works with CCTV. You you can't have face recognition on every camera in the whole of a city just firing information at you. That is unfair. (laughs) So... And that's never happened before. You, you've got to ask for CCTV of where you think they are. And if there's that much going on, how the hell are you going to do that? It's also a little bit later than that, because that's the same time when Sherlock says that Birmingham is his second biggest town in Britain. Yeah, in case you weren't aware. Yeah, because Sherlock doesn't know how cities work. <laughs> so is Birmingham the second biggest city? It, it is, yeah. Borderline, yes. There's an argument to be made that Manchester is larger. Yeah, I thought Manchester would be up there. Argument or incorrect fact, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> Depends on how you uh, encompass Manchester, is the, the honest answer. Yeah. yeah, I suppose if you go out, stretch it out as far as Bolton and stuff, you, you probably would do it. Well, if, if you count the, the ten boroughs of Greater Manchester, then it is, it is larger. But it's whether you count Manchester as just the city of Manchester or whether it's Greater Manchester as a well. whole. I once had a very hard time getting out of Manchester. I was on that damn ring road and I realised I'd done the whole loop around. All I was trying to do was get to Blackpool and I had just gone around and around and I felt like the Griswold family going (laughs) around that fountain or whatever it is in front of Buckingham Palace. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't get out of Manchester. It's a deliberate design just so you don't accidentally end up in Blackpool. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it weird how something called the Ring Road is in the shape of a ring? Oh, weird. Correct. I like the idea. I mean, it's very organised compared to Sydney, but seriously. And HQ discard all the manors, granges and hotels, which narrows it down to basically anywhere that they could land on a roof. And they discount Aston Villa Football Club as well, because they'd have to ask the head of security first. And with 60 minutes to go, Frank, Harry and Nate are all in the city centre. And GoPro'd up. Yep, they're all prepared because everyone around knows that HQ are also in this city. Mark and Carl see Nate on the streets, and we finally get the Stay Where You Are clip from the intro with Nate vaulting fences. He's so, Yeah, it's good. It's good hiding. What are your thoughts on, on this? Do you reckon they were like, oh, we know where he is and we know where he's going to, so... Why don't we just wait a bit and it'll be more dramatic when we catch him? I'm not sure. I think they may have tried to use him as bait, basically, and keep an eye on him to see where Frank and Harry are going to be. Because they had more than enough time to be able to get Nate, especially if they have two hunters there and they can pressure him. It felt like they could have got him, but they probably thought, yeah, that's a good good thinking, actually. Just hang back and see where he goes. If they don't have any information on Frank and Harry, then Frank and Harry are easily going to win. And Nate runs through the housing estate, and he ends the penultimate part in trouble hiding. And with just 40 minutes left to the extraction, Mark searches the estate for Nate, 
And I do have to say, Nate wasn't exactly dressed to blend in in Birmingham. No. Very colourful. I don't know. I don't know. I spent a lot of time in Birmingham. He was wearing his most garish jacket possible. Yeah. And Mark basically searches the entire housing estate for him, including doing a push-up and just checking under cars, before Zoe decides to pull them out of the area and keep an eye on him instead. Yeah, I think that's the right move. And it's at this point in the episode where you go, actually, they may catch everyone here, especially when you get the quote from Carl saying, if he doesn't make it on time, he's fucked. Because I thought we were going to get a a Dutch-hunted situation where where they get very close to the extraction point, but someone misses it and runs out of time. Because there is a wonderful part of the Dutch Hunted from last year where there's four people left for the extraction point, but two of them, you know, don't make it in time. Oh my god, that'd be awful. Seriously. That is so bad. It's great if you look at the elimination table, because it's one person winning, one person caught literally at the extraction point, tackled in the sea, and then two people, yeah, they missed it. They missed the boat, literally. Why? Why did they do that? Why were they stupid? I don't know. I'd, I don't have the context to it. I just have seen the clip, which is amazing and brilliantly scored by composer Nick Harvey still. And all I've seen is the final like extraction clip, but it's amazing. And Nate decides to change out his jacket to blend in a little bit more. And Frank and Harry are spotted on CCTV in the city centre. And then Aisha tracks them from camera to camera. And Mark gets out of the car to search them on foot. And Harry spots Mark coming the other direction, gets chased by him, and tells him to fuck off. <laughs> which was just... Comedy gold, wasn't it? Frank, run! <laughs> Fuck off and leave me alone. <laughs> Sad. Stop laughing. It was awful. Yeah, this is the point where Michelle's going to start disagreeing with us because she's going to start getting depressed. When I say the next sentence, Harry's time on the run's over? What? He's devastated, as are we. The hell? This is the point where you go, what? Everything I know is wrong. Mm. Yeah, he I started questioning <laughs> And Frank evades Carl and hides in the abandoned building that we saw in the intro as well. And George is absolutely knackered, bless him. <laughs> George shot up the rankings in, in my Hunter rankings this time because he just, he was chasing everyone and absolutely pooped by the end of it and admitted it on social media afterwards. <laughs> bless him. And Frank runs into St. Martin's Markets, which is a great tactic. It is a great tactic. There is some interesting footage of it, though, isn't there? There is, because there was a cameraman stationed in there. Yes, who managed to catch Frank running past him a couple of times. Right, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this once. Production will have looked at the area around the bullring, gone, what's going to be the most likely place that fugitives are probably going to hide? Because in a city extraction like Birmingham, the only way you are going to win is if you hide in plain sight. You need to take advantage of the Bullring Shopping Centre. You need to take advantage of the markets and anywhere with a lot of people where you can blend in. Because the whole reason that these guys got spotted on CCTV so much is because they were so obvious, even without a cameraman with them. They were alone in the street, not even really trying to cover their faces. I know they had baseball caps on, but they weren't even trying to cover their faces that much. So the only way that you're going to actually be able to camp out long enough to be able to then run up the car park steps and win the hundred grand is to do this and hide in the market so that's why there was a camera station there they preempted it and because they are great at their jobs they preempted correctly or they just got someone wearing a gray hoodie to run around the market well you could see frank's face (laughs) i'm kidding 
<laughs> but actually, seriously, they they could have filmed some of it afterwards as well. They can, they, you know, it's a TV production. They could they can do establishing shots whenever the hell they like. They could say right before we go back to HQ, just need a couple more shots of you running through the market. I would put money on the fact that they they at least had a camera of some description in those markets. Yeah, it would make sense beforehand. This is, and George loses him in the markets. And Blex doesn't think that they will pop up until the extraction now. And Sherlock worries that if they don't identify the location soon, they will be too late. And there was 20 minutes to go. So it wasn't long. And now the most important question of the episode. Why was Jordan suddenly wearing a yellow jacket? We didn't see anything of Danny and Jordan for the entirety of the episode up until this point. And then we just, they just appear, we get a come on, and Jordan is weirdly wearing a, a gilet jaune. Um, I, I didn't notice. I was I just distressed about what was happening. Yeah, I was. I was wiping my eyes at that stage. Michael, no, what's happened to Harry? And here's another bit where people are complaining because Mark and Carl go into a car park and find out from the car park attendant that the only car park in the area with accommodation for helicopters would be Edgebaston Street Car Park. Well, everyone knows that. If you want to know where to land a helicopter. Go and ask a car park attendant. That's just obvious, right? Here's the thing. This will not have been the only car park they went to. He's not an actor. Why are people (laughs) so stupid? And I feel like I'm channeling Michelle here, but the amount of posts I saw going, oh, I bet he's an actor. No, he's not, you moron. He's not. He just happens to have said what they need someone to say. He might have been the 150th person they spoke to that day. He's the only one that said, oh yeah, I think you could land a helicopter on on that car park. That's all yeah, it is. And some people just know crap. Yeah. They just if you, if know you ask stuff. enough people, someone's going to go, yeah. yeah. I mean, he might not even know. He's just going, well, I reckon you could probably do it on Edgebaston Street. If that's what they need, then they're going to go with it. But the important part of this is, as in every single Extraction episode, they have one lead, they have 20 minutes to go, they go for it. Yeah. And this time, it was the correct one. Every other time it's been wrong, but they always do this tactic. They think of what the most logical answer is, and they go for it. Sometimes they're too slow, sometimes they're wrong completely, and on the wrong side of the river, like last year. But it had to happen eventually. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get you guys to know from this podcast is this was a sh- an immediate shock but it's not an overall shock because it was going to happen eventually why do you think it would have happened eventually it doesn't necessarily have to happen eventually because all it takes is one lucky break it's not because they were in birmingham it's not because there was much more cctv than normal it's because HU got their lucky break as they always do but they got it slightly earlier than they normally do and they had enough time to correctly get enough people there to ensure that people weren't going to win this time. And I know it's disappointing, I know we were all invested in the Savages story especially, but it wasn't a surprise overall. It was a surprise in the immediate moment, and I was going, what? How is this happening? This is history making. But when you take a step back and sleep on it, like I have done over the past two days, you go, actually, it's not a shock overall that HQ eventually win." No, it's not. You know, it's one of the, one of the outcomes. And actually, I think if you rewatch the last couple of episodes, you could have decided that that was going to happen. So I remember us having a conversation last week, two two distinct conversations that probably should have been one conversation. The first one was, 
we're not really seeing that much of a strong winner's story here. This is interesting. We don't really know what's going on. And the other thing we said was, wow, the hunters seem really happy when they capture people this season. There's your winner's story. Yeah. The winner's story was atypical because it was not a winner's story for anyone who was a fugitive. Nope. And that's the way you have to look at this entire series. If you say that this episode ruined the entire series for you, that's your prerogative. But you're also wrong. Because the winner's story is atypical. It is not a winner's story for a fugitive. It is a winner's story for the 29 successful people in HQ and on the ground who somehow managed to pick out 10 people in 25 days around the country. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm disagreeing with at least one sentence you said then. Uh, You can leave that closer to the end. Okay. So Nate spots the helicopter almost as soon as Nick arrives, and Blex finds it on flight tracking and confirms that the helicopter is definitely the extraction method. Yeah, which which would be really difficult to figure out given that GTX TV is a helicopter owned by an outside broadcast company. <laughs> and Nick spots Nate on foot, and he's in danger once more. And George also spots him, and his time on the run is over, leaving just one person left on the run. And even at this stage, I thought, okay, that's all right. He's going to make it. That's cool. Yeah. That's a good ending. We've had loads of tension. This is going to be a great ending. He's just going to squeeze in, and it'll he'll take off. And the hunters will be jumping up, trying to catch the helicopter, but they're too late. And I'd, I could see the scene, but no. And all the hunters get dispatched to the roof of the car park. Dear Lord. Yeah, it's at this point where you genuinely are on the edge of your seat if you're watching this and not an idiot. <laughs> you're on the edge of your seat going, I actually don't know who's going to win here, whether it'll be HQ or Frank. And you see it from the perspective of Frank, which is beautifully shot. You see it from his perspective. And the music just dies down. And he's looking around, trying to find a hiding place on that rooftop. Because he has three minutes until that helicopter lands to take him away. With a briefcase full of £100,000 in it. Mm-hmm. And he's looking around. And he turns the corner to find that brick building. And the hunters swarm. Yep. And it is gorgeously shot. It is brilliant. Oh it, is, it is one of the best shots they've ever done, I think. If you watch this episode and you don't feel heartbroken for Frank Savage in that moment, then you're wrong. But also, if you watch that moment and go, this ruins the entire show for me, then you're watching it wrong. That's the thing, because it is a show where you obviously are going to root for the underdogs. But also, none of HQ are really that horrible. It's nice to see those people win. Yeah, and I think it's only because we've seen so many years of the fugitives win that we've we've kind of automatically assumed they're going to win, and therefore we're on their we're on their side. But we've we've spoken about this before that you know the original premise was, isn't it really difficult to live in a society where you're under surveillance the whole time, and th- and that was the the story. And and it's it's changed over the few years, and we've got to know these hunters, and you know they they are really sympathetic characters now, and actually it's a match now, and one side will win. It, it, I just don't think people have caught up with that. That's all. And I'm going to let you guys go and get a cup of tea now. I think because I think it's <laughs> rant time. 
<laughs> when you just said that last bit, when you were going through how he was caught, my I actually went through all the emotions I was feeling last night when I watched it, which was pounding the table, screaming, saying no, my daughter from the bath saying, what's wrong, what's wrong? I'm going, it's okay, it's okay, it's only a TV show. And then just me stopping breathing when he was running the last bit and then I just couldn't believe it. And then I was speechless, totally speechless, Yep. and I just couldn't believe it. I had trouble breathing for the last five minutes of the episode and that never happens. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was so into it. I completely understand what what you were saying, Michelle. I was gobsmacked that this happened. But I'm not I'm not heartbroken. No, I'm not I I, I had a similar reaction. I I literally couldn't process it, so I just just stopped. <laughs> I can't tweet about this, I can't talk about it, I can't think about it. I need to let my head just figure out what it is. But in hindsight now, the way the narrative has played out, it's a great story for the hunters. Yeah, but I don't want them to win. Sorry. No. No. I just want one fugitive to get through. Just one. I'm sorry. Your rant has to wait a minute. Because I just, like, having the extraction point in a city, yep, it's great for the hunters. Not so good for the fugitives. It's harder, a lot harder to get out. But having the extraction point as a helicopter is also harder than just having a car. So you've got the field narrowed so much so that it's basically impossible for the the fugitives to win. However, if they hadn't found the notebook, would it have been a different story? Would they have still been able to find that it was Birmingham? Maybe not, because England's quite a big country. They also would have been potentially minutes behind, and given that we know Frank was caught three minutes before extraction point, Three minutes is all it would have taken. If they had got there three minutes later, Frank Savage would have won £100,000. Mm. I, just, I, I just find it a lot harder. As an extraction point, the fugitives really, really didn't stand a chance. Do you agree? No, because they did have a chance and they blew it. It's a car park. They can't get away. Even if the fugitives were waiting up the top for them, which I thought they would be doing, but they didn't get there in time. Just, it's, I just find it really impossible for the fugitives to have won this season. I think it was hard, but it's a different type of extraction point. It's certainly not impossible to, to have won. I think it all started falling apart when Ish's notebook got seized and they worked out that it was Birmingham. Because as soon as you narrow it down to a big city, and it's never been a city before, so as soon as you narrow it down to a city, that excludes so much of the potentials for HQ that it makes it far easier for them to find. But also they have to find the initial information. It's a microcosm of the entire show, in that they cannot do anything without having the initial information that then leads them to ask Kevin O'Leary for the CCTV or the ANPR or the bank records or phone records or anything like that. They cannot do anything without the initial investigation being correct. And because the initial investigation was correct so early this time, it was, well, between 20 and 28 hours before the extraction point, they had a whole day to work on this rather than a few hours as they normally do. 
How fast can you get CCTV footage? It depends. I'm not sure whether there's a time lockout, but because they don't actually get the CCTV footage, they get the GoPro mounted by the, the camera crew on site. I suspect it's reasonably instantaneous as long as they ask the correct questions. Mm. Just, I'm just wondering for the... Well, the shot of Frank and, and uh, Harry walking across a road... Like, Birmingham is obviously a very large city. How could they, you know, pinpoint it down to a few roads, you know? I... They would have got a ping rather than the actual CCTV footage. Yeah, and that, that's the bit I'm just struggling with, is how mm. does that work? I don't think they got the actual CCTV footage in that case. I think they got a ping to say they've just been seen on this camera. And then is that fair? Well, fair can mean whatever you want it to. I know the word fair isn't good when we're discussing hunting because a lot of people use it very loosely. Fair is a very ambiguous word, especially in a show like Hunted. Yeah. Go on. All right. Go for it. Off you go, Michael. So I mentioned this on, um, on Twitter on the RCV Warriors account yesterday. Dear Serial Complainers, good start. My name is Michael Armstone. I'd like you to spend a few minutes of your time listening very intently to this message. Because this is for all of you who moan on social media each week about how hunted isn't as good as it used to be, how it's fake and slanted in the favour of the hunters. Here's my take on it. I don't think you understand how TV works. <laughs> it's the easiest way to say it. If you want to call hunted fake, be my guest. But just know that every show on TV has a certain element of fakery. Where in your life are you going to be asked questions, quick fire, each worth potentially life-changing sums of money? Where in your life are you going to live on an island or travel the world doing challenges? You're not, and that's what TV provides. Unless you are the lucky sort of person who gets on these shows, you're never going to be in that situation in your life, and it's providing the escapism that you need. If you want to call a show like Hunted unfair, you have to call every show on TV unfair, because they are, inherently. Shows like The Chase have inherent unfairness, as you don't pick your team, or the questions you're asked, or who you face as the chaser. You don't get to pick how the chaser's feeling that day, whether they're on their best form or feeling less than 100%. You don't get to pick the offers that you're given, whether it's going to be life-changing sums of money, whether you take a minus offer to get a little bit closer and more chance of winning. Fact of the matter is that it's human nature to root for the underdog in any sort of situation. You watch a TV programme like this as escapism to root for the little guy to overcome the odds. And in order to overcome those odds, you need a little bit of un- inherent unfairness in an initial state. And it's true to say that the odds are stacked against the fugitives. 29 professionals, well, 28 and Sherlock, with the replicated powers of the state fighting against them in teams of at most two people. With access to all, all their contacts, homes, technology and everything the state would have, of course it's an inherently unfair situation. But the difference is that this is on a public broadcaster governed by Ofcom rules and treated as a game show. And the game show bit is the important bit here, because it is not factual entertainment anymore. Soon as you include money in the equation, it changes from being credited as a documentary or factual entertainment and is governed under the game show rules. And there are so many strict rules that they have to follow. And broadcasters and producers must act with the utmost honesty and integrity when dealing with any contributor. And that includes the hunters. They cannot treat one side in any way, shape or form better than the other because it opens them up to potential litigation which is worth far more than any sum of money. It's worth their professional reputation and integrity. And a production company like Shine, who make hundreds of shows a year, would not allow anything to air which doesn't adhere to the Ofcom code, never mind the broadcaster who received government funding, and it would be a national scandal if it was rigged to one side or the other. 
And it's not to say that there isn't any wiggle room or hidden rules, as I've mentioned during the podcast, which you should have listened to for years now. Fugitives do have to contact friends and family, they have to move every 24 to 48 hours and withdraw money at least twice, and they only get a limited amount of money, they can't use their own money. But these are all things that fugitives would likely do on the run. And that's the thing, it emulates fugitives on the run. As soon as any real-life fugitive did any of these things, any investigators would be on their tail. And what we don't see and what we can't see is the tens of hours of legwork that hunter teams do to get that close. In a one-hour including adverts episode of TV, we can't see everything they do, and whilst this would make the show more transparent, you also wouldn't be invested in it. It's the reason why police procedural shows don't include it. You don't want to see it, no matter how much you say you wanted on the internet, and no one wants to show it because it would be tedious as hell. And I'm not asking you to suspend your beliefs. Hunted certainly isn't a perfect show, as that title goes to certain series of them all. But if you're sitting there being permanently sceptical of everything on the screen, you're watching the show far too intensely. And this is coming from someone who, at the time of recording, has covered over 200 hours of TV in five years of a podcast. And some of the strongest fans of shows are their strongest critics. And we can all be guilty of doing this a little. Every show has its flaws, but the fantastic production team of this show do not deserve your ire because you can't see the wood from the trees and take this show at face value and bitch and moan about it. And finally, if you only take one thing from this message, I'd like it to be this. Hunted is an entertainment show first and foremost. All your hatred is doing is breeding more hatred. In whining on social media, you're damaging the show for other people far more than you're actually damaging the show. If the show doesn't entertain you, take a walk. Maybe find a park or a beer garden to sit in now the weather's warming up slightly. I'm sure there's some pigeons you can shout at. But please stop ruining everyone else's enjoyment of this show. And certainly stop wasting Ofcom's time, or at least read the regulations before complaining to them, because they don't care. They're just going to look at it and go, no, they did everything they were supposed to. Jog on. You can talk. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was, that was ten minutes ago, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts? Um, yeah, ditto. It's television. <laughs> it's not live, unedited footage. Things happen. We've we've talked about it for so long. I'm getting tired of it, but it's all in the edit. And and actually, there were, there were a couple of things about edit I did want to raise. Is that if you think about the way this series ultimately ended it had to make matt mason in particular look a certain way it has to make him look like a loser because we now know the hunters are the winners and there are only two sides so there are going to be things that potentially went in the way of the fugitives that we're not going to see because we now know the fugitives are on the losing side and it's with that in mind that I was thinking about it today and thinking there were clues we should have seen that would have told us the Hunters were winning this year, one of which was at no point did the Hunters look stupid. And we've seen that numerous times in the past. The next thing is every capture was really celebrated as these are the experts and they're bringing them in. So we should have spotted that. We also... And I can't believe we missed this one. Nobody's DM'd me this year that was actually on the show. <laughs> That's a big hint. What's that got to do with anything? Because it's been the winners every year. <laughs> and just likes the attention. I just like talking to people on the show and I've been like, oh, they're not so friendly this year. It's because they didn't win. That's well, to why. be fair, I had some DMs from the winners. I mean, Jenny, Hersey. Well, yeah, actually... Very good point. The Hunters have been far nicer this season. And far more active on social media. 
far more active on social media and far more revealing. So, so you're right. Yeah, actually, we did get messages from the winners. And yeah, and the last point is, if you now rewatch it um, from a look for the winners edit point of view, just just look at Blex's story from beginning to end, and you'll see the winner. No problem at all. Do you think this show was edited knowing that Blex is going to retire from the show now? I would strongly suspect so, um, and he's not announced it until it's aired for obvious reasons. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they got to the end of that and he went, done it, clean sweep, job done at that point. We'll probably never know. The other interesting thing for me is that we know Celebrity Hunted was filmed after this. How much of an effect do you think the fact that they won in Civvy Hunted played on Celebrity? I don't think they're that fussed about Celebrity. They just they want it to just get some attention so it raises money. So I think actually anything could happen in there. Mm. I think it was very interesting that even during Celebrity Hunted, we didn't pick up on the fact that they'd actually finally broken their duck egg. No, they didn't give anything away, did they? Because I thought there might have been like a subtle hint that I look back on and go, oh, you gits, I should have spotted that in October. But there isn't, at all. And in fact, the last shot we basically saw of Celebrity Hunted was Jordan the Gilets Jaunes jumping off the boat and losing. Yeah. I don't I don't think I'd look at the edit and see the hunters being celebrated and think, oh, the hunters win. I don't think I'd ever think that. No, Because the, I'm no. always trying for the fugitives, always wanting exactly. them to win so i don't think i'd ever even now i don't think i'd even look for a hunted edit hunted edit i think you would if you went back and looked for it michelle i think you'd see it you know like with any of these shows when you rewatch it and you know the the result you see things that you never saw when it was leading up to it you know we've all rewatched survivor seasons and gone how did we not know they were winning so I think you would see it, and, and I think last episode, if you, yeah, just watch episode five with the perspective of the Hunters win this game, and I think you'll see it. So there's a few more questions that the idiots on social media have raised. <laughs> I just said on one post last night, I was just reading it, and I it was on the Hunted page, and I just said, oh, these viewers, I just can't. I couldn't even respond. I just couldn't. We're going to talk about my absolute favourite topic, other than the fact that there is a campaign to complain to Ofcom because this was, you know, inherently unfair. Let alone the petitions for for, uh, Frank still to get some money. The crowdsourcing, crowdfunding page. Brilliant. In your opinion, was this fraud? Oh, for goodness sake. There was an accusation of the fact that in misleading-ish that Nate had been caught... It constituted fraud. Oh, wow. <laughs> and this oh. was my absolute favourite last night. It was oh, so funny. Did you respond to that? Yes. You know why I responded to that? Because my brother did a law degree. He broke it down for me. Oh, my God. The answer is, obviously, it's not fraud. <laughs> Police can say what they want to try and get information out. Because that's not how fraud works. He is not being defrauded of anything so how can it be fraud what goes through your heads to go i think this is fraud i know nothing about this but i'm gonna just accuse a public broadcaster and one of the uk's largest production companies of committing criminal fraud it's basically i wanted them to win they didn't win you cheated yeah and the reason that it isn't fraud is because everyone signed up to the same rules 
basically. And the fact that there was no malicious intent basically means that it is not fraud. It's really simple as well. Just the whole premise is they're on the run, right? So let's let's pick a fictitious crime. Let's say they're all on the run for committing a murder. Okay? That went dark. Well, yeah, okay. But just as an example, right? Because that's, <laughs> that's serious, right? So if someone was suspected of committing murder, would it be okay to pretend that their accomplice had been caught if ultimately it led to their, them being convicted? Of course that's okay. Who's got a problem with that? If they're guilty, that's fine. They're not making up evidence. They're not, they're not framing them. They're just just working with what they've got. If the outcome is, is what it should be, why is that a problem? The fraud question boils down to the element of dishonesty. Because... If you just look at fraud on the face value, maybe you could make an argument for it. But the key phrase is that there has to be an element of dishonesty. And because people entered into this knowing that any of these tactics could be used or anything that law enforcement would in theory do in real life, there's no dishonesty on HQ's part at all. It is not I don't think there was anything wrong with it. I thought it was very clever. No, it it was amazing. And in fact, as I was live tweeting, I was going... This is a really devious tactic, but wow, I'm impressed they are not playing. And again, seeing hunters doing really clever tactics, what does that tell you guys? And now, the other topic that Michelle's already raised, the crowdfunding funding campaigns. <laughs> and I actually cannot say that phrase without giggling to myself. Because I know the main one was created by a friend of Frank and Harry's, and knowing the farm issue is definitely enough motive for her to do it. But they didn't win. That's the thing. You cannot say that they were cheated out of £100,000 because they didn't win. Frank was there three minutes in advance. The rules were you had to get on the extraction vehicle to be able to claim the money because that's where the money was. He didn't do it because he, he was caught on the rooftop. That's the thing. Because he was caught on the rooftop three minutes before the helicopter landed, he didn't win. In the same way that Nick and I wouldn't have won if they got to the right marina. Yeah, if they got to the right marina and sat there for three minutes before the boat turned up and the hunters got there in time and tagged them both, they would have lost. Yeah. That's the rules of the game. I don't. I wouldn't have any problem with someone starting a crowdfunding campaign to say, Harry and Frank really need some, really deserve some money and they're lovely people and they're great. Can we raise some money for them? Absolutely. But don't make out that they were swindled. As soon as you start phrasing it that they were cheated or swindled or duped out of the £100,000, you're entering a bit of a moral grey area. Because these people signed up to the game knowing the rules. They have never said that they were cheated out of the money, at least not publicly. Mm. And there was I'm, I'm talking about the other petition as well. They want um, the channel to give them money. Not It wasn't crowdfunding, it was actually a petition to say that Frank should have won. There's at least four crowdfunding campaigns as well. One of them's got over £1,000 somehow. Oh my gosh. Here's the truth bomb that I'm now going to drop. The network isn't liable for the money. Neither is the production company. It comes out of insurance. So what they do in game shows, hence why I mention game show law so much, what they do in game shows is they take out insurance on the expected win. So in the case of Hunted, that would be £100,000. In the case of a show like The Chase, where it's on 170 episodes a year, maybe four grand a week over 170 episodes, so whatever that works out as. So, they take out the insurance. The insurance company are liable for the money. So if you petition Channel 4 and petition Shine, you can petition them all you like. 
but they're not going to be liable for any of the cash that Frank and Harry were swindled, in inverted commas, out of. It's the insurance company who would. And the insurance policy that they took out would have said, in the event of someone winning, we will pay out the £100,000, but nobody won, so they didn't pay it out. There's not much more to say. He didn't win. And as much as we all wanted him to win, and as much as it really hurts that he didn't, he didn't. Yeah, that's the thing. It it breaks my heart to be sat here on a Saturday night, Sunday morning, going, Frank and Harry Savage did not win £100,000 between them. But you have to look at it realistically. They didn't win. They sadly were never going to win because the Hunters were all over that rooftop. And if they'd somehow managed to evade the Hunters and get on the helicopter, the Hunters still would have got to the helicopter before it took off. Yeah. As soon as the Hunters set foot on that, on that rooftop, they had won the game, basically. Mm. As harsh as it is. So, talking of people who don't win games... <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, I brought back my favourite game that we have ever played, and... Anyone who just listens to the UK coverage may not be aware of this game. In Hunted US in 2017, we liked to play a little game which then evolved into Beth Wolf Wilson playing it live on the interview of His 30 Seconds Name the Hunters. And I have to say you both did me proud, because Michelle, you were rubbish at it last time, let's be real. I don't recall, I remember being put on the spot and being crap, but I don't recall how many I got. I don't remember the exact figures, but I remember you were pretty bad at it and you lost considerably. <laughs> because, you know what? I watch a show and I don't remember tiny little details like names. <laughs> Unless they really impress themselves on me like Dr. Donna or Julie or Blex or Ben. You know, there were... I just don't remember them. Here's the ironic thing, Michelle. You didn't name Dr. Donna. <laughs> I didn't? <laughs> What the hell? Despite your hatred of Dr. Donna, you did not say her name. I'm pretty sure I didn't get Julie. You didn't. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Which is impressive given that Ant recorded his a few hours ago with me and Michelle recorded hers last week. But I will say the only name that Michelle got that Ant didn't was Julie. Oh. And the only names that Ant got that Michelle didn't were... Jill, Jenny, Paul, Mark, Carl, George, Nick, Doug, Claire, and Donna. <laughs> there you go. I'd like to add some suspense to it, but Ant got 16 and Michelle got 7. So <laughs> You can't say it's close. I knew, I knew it was never close. It would never be close. Which, as we all know, the punishment for it is that Michelle has to close the episode by doing nursery crimes. <laughs> but I can't do that. You know I can't. And you know how good he is at it. Strap and in, he's everyone. so good at it. All I can say is, come on. And that's it. I will admit I was rooting against Ant purely because I feel like it is fitting with Blexit Departure to do another proper nursery crimes, but... Oh, we need Sorry. another Blex impression. Definitely. I was the chief. Not anymore. Buy my books. So the final question of the series, I guess, on the subject of Black's leaving, who should be the next chief? Who should be or who will be? Not Ben. I don't think it should be Ben. Should and would are the two elements to this question. I expect it will be Sherlock. I don't think it should be. I would agree. I love Sherlock, but Sherlock is much better being the foil to someone. Mm. rather than being the chief for me. Yeah. Yes, I like, like Ben's role. Yeah, I do. I really well. like it. 
Bring back Toddington. I think if anyone from HQ is going to be made chief, I would prefer it to be Julie. Yeah, I'd be quite happy with that. No, she's not out enough. She's not out there enough. I think it'd be Zoe would be better. I know Julie seems more chief-like, and I understand what you're saying, but Zoe's more outgoing and out there that would give more into a chief role. Do you know who it should be? Teresa Payton. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, no. If we're going to bring anyone over from US Hunted, it's got to be Flat Cap Charlie. Obviously Flat Cap Charlie, but he's not the chief, yes, is he? but he's not, not the chief. I want to see Flat Cap Charlie and Dougie working together. Yeah, they would be best friends, let's be honest. Why didn't he come back? Why is he... What happened? What I want to see is at the start of the next series, a desk chair revolves around and sat in the chief's chair is Blaze. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. That's a Time to watch the world burn, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh my god, take that out of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like it to be Julie, if anyone, from sort of that realm, because I think she would be very good at it, and I know I was on a bit of a Julie kick from listening to JP's interview with her, which was amazing, and you can definitely search it out, because I was listening to that on one of my lunch breaks earlier in the week, and it, it's, it's just a fantastic interview. It's going to be interesting. I know I'm biased given I'm friends with James, but yeah, it was a fantastic interview, and Julie would definitely be a great chief, and I could see her doing it. It's whether she would want to. It will be interesting when we see those first photos for next year. And also there's the element of the fact that the fugitives next year probably won't know who the chief is. No, I don't think they'll reveal it until after they've filmed. So maybe they will all go Ben. They won't go for Blex. There's going to be less taunting like we have seen with Joe and Dan, for example, of Oh Peter Blex, so you've got a lovely face. And less mocking up posters like Io did of Julie and Blex being married, which, you know, wrong hunters, but yeah. It's going to be very interesting. Or it could be someone new. could be none of them. So, have we got any thoughts to close the series? Uh, The usual ones of what fun it's been, how great it is to interact with all the people that are on the show, because that's basically why I do it. To be perfectly honest, I mean, it's lovely spending time with you guys, but it's great. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. I'll just stay up till 10 to 12, uh, 10 to 1 for you again. <laughs> um, and obviously, all of our tens of listeners who make it worthwhile. And big shout out this time to Izzy, who has been brilliant as our resident young person listener. Um, and and really helped me out with a couple of other things this week that she knows about. Um, so, Izzy, you're awesome. Keep the faith. Michelle? Um, Don't mention your children, because I know that'll make you angry, but... Yeah, right. I love that the hunters interacted more this year than before. Normally we have the fugitives interacting more. And I finally got a like from Ben, Sherlock... And I, and I got a retweet and, oh, the sun was shining. But otherwise, you know, I'm, I hope we can get some of them on to, to talk to, to chat to. And I guess it's my turn now. Um, so my thanks are a little bit different because obviously I want to thank all the listeners, all the literally tens of listeners, the people who stick with us and 
reply to all of my inane tweets, let's be honest, and the hunters, and... So to be fair, I've not actually mentioned this again, but Jenny's got even creepier with <laughs> tracking me down. I've deliberately left my ire for the idiots on social media, rather than the fact that Jenny's been tracking down my home address again after Gold. last week's podcast. That wasn't Thank a challenge. You, Thank you, that was fantastic. And obviously, big thanks to, to Kevin, our adjudicator, keeping us in the dark as always. And I always forget to say it. Thanks to composer Nick Harvey for, you know, being awesome on social media and also letting us use the original Hunted theme for our theme. Because I always forget to say it every week. Yeah, we, to, so. yeah, we meant to credit him on every episode, and I don't think we ever did. No, I think this is actually the first time we've ever acknowledged the fact that composer Nick Harvey actually did give us permission to do it, so thank you, Nick. But I think my main thanks go to you guys. As adorable as it is, and I know I mentioned this a few weeks ago, the podcast isn't the same without both of you, and it's certainly less fun when we don't get to do this show together. Mm. Aw, that's sweet. We need another show that just works for the three of us. I know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hunted is genuinely a delight of my week. Not just to watch and tweet along with people, but to cover on the podcast. It's always been one of my favourite shows that we do cover. And it's not changing, despite the idiots on social media this year, especially. But it's always fun. I, it really works with the three of us. Mm. It's good. And it's worth staying up till seven minutes to one. For. <laughs> of I have is. to put my alarm on for it. Oh my god. On a Sunday morning. Michelle, your reward for doing better than you did last time on the quiz is I'll let you have a lie-in next Sunday. <laughs> oh, I can lie until what? May something until Amazing Race starts. May 22nd. Yes. <laughs> so I think we're done. I think we are. Oh, that's sad. I know. I hate it when things are over. So thank you for listening all series to our Hunted podcasts. Thank you to everyone who's communicated with us on social media but especially those involved in the show who've kept us on our toes and made the podcast even more fun to do. Thanks to all of you for joining us for one or all of our podcasts. Not two or three, just one or all. There's no middle ground. And we will be back soon for more podcasts, hopefully, as Michelle said, with people involved in the show. Obviously, if you are watching Beast of All, we've got three weeks left of that coverage before Belgium Mall 7 begins, hopefully in March. I cannot wait because it's going to be amazing. If you have got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, our TV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, Bullsboy for Anthony, and Bear3333333 for Michelle. And also, make sure you follow Root Privileges on Twitter, because Doug loves it. Thank you for tuning in. But with that, for this series, your time in the run is over. Bye. Tara, I love. Uh, we're, it crashed. We're not, yes. getting away, we're not getting away without it. Um. <laughs> We've finally broken the soundboard after six weeks. I'm going to give you 30 seconds and name the hunters. Starting now. Oh no, I can't! <laughs> Your time's started, Michelle. This. Your time's started. Get no. on with it. Oh god. Blix, Ben, Zoe, Colin, Julie, um, Danny, Steve. Which one? I don't know. There's two. I don't know. The big one. <laughs> um. Yep, and that's it in my brain this time of the morning, seriously. I know how much you love that challenge, Michelle, so I have to keep doing it to you occasionally.
awful. I got more than last time, though. So what I said to Michelle before we recorded last week is, there's 29 hunters. you got 30 seconds to name them. Oh, freaking hell. Jill, Jenny, Paul, Mark, Carl, George, Zoe, Nikki, Danny, I want to say Claire, uh, Dr. Donna, Blex, Sherlock, Steve Hersey, Doug, Colin. Five, four, three, two, one. You put me off. 